0: This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. All right, we are in week six of a series that we have called Conversations with Jesus. And um, if you have your Bibles, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 16, I'll get there in a second. Just going to remind you a little bit about what we've talked about in this series. Um, what we're looking at in this series is we have the gospel accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, what He taught, how he had discussions with people and his disciples, what they said, where they were from, how they responded. Um, and this is just really a, as we've been looking at this series, this is really just a small portion of jesus teaching that we are emphasizing uh, which will be over these seven weeks we're going to finish up um, next sunday with this series which is good to have you're going to do a series on jesus it's good to make it seven weeks since it's a number of perfection and then the week after that that john mentioned we're going to be having mother's day and my wife and i will be teaching uh, together on mother's day so that's going to be a lot of fun and uh, so you don't want to miss that so um so far in this series we've talked about the seeds of God's word, that we want to take the seed of God's word into our life and the different conditions, the soil of our heart uh, will make a difference in how those things produce in our lives. The second week, we talked about Christ who heals. A few weeks ago, we talked about unforgiveness and we talked about worry. And then last week, we talked about this idea that Jesus wants us to be famous for love. So over the next two weeks, the two topics we're going to be discussing. Today, we're going to be discussing sacrifice, and then next week, we're going to be discussing celebration. So um, next week will be the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine of today's message go down well. Um, so, uh, you know, this, is, this message today is not for the faint of heart, all right? This message today is for all the big boy and big girl Christ followers out there. And, uh, you know, I, I was asking my daughter this morning, what are we supposed to, uh, you know, we we say to guys, put on your big boy pants. I guess I'm just going to say the same thing to women. I said, well, what do you say to women? She's like, you don't need to say anything to women. They're already perfect. (laughs) See, this is, this is what I live with people. You wonder why I am the way I am. So everybody, and those of you that are uh, longtime church people, it's time to gird up your loins today. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it but this this is going to be um, it's going to be the real deal today all right um, when we go through Jesus teaching when we go through the gospels some of what Jesus said isn't always easy has anyone read through it and it's like some of that ooh ow that steps on my toes a little bit that's a little bit rough to take i'm not sure i understand that just kind of some strong words jesus speaks sometimes we misunderstand what he's saying because we don't understand the context and this is one of these things today um, as we look at these verses now last week as we talked about love we focused on the idea of loving people and then today we want to focus on the idea of putting some meat on the bones of this idea of what it means for us to love god because that was the first thing jesus said last week when we read the verses What's the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So last week we talked about loving our neighbor, loving those people that are different than us. So today we're going to discuss this idea of loving God and what that would look like. And we're going to focus on this idea of sacrifice. Does everybody like that word sacrifice? Okay, you're not sure, but we're going to read about it anyway. So in this chapter of Matthew chapter 16... Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And, you know, they responded. Some people say you're this. Some people say you're this. And then Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? Peter responded, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus commended him because he had this revelation of who he was. And then after that revelation, we see that Jesus starts to tell his disciples that he is going to be crucified, that he is going to be killed. Now, do you understand when they were seeing Jesus, when they thought about the Messiah, they thought the Messiah was coming, that he was going to set up an earthly kingdom that had borders and walls and an army. But Jesus came with a different idea of what God's kingdom would look like. So for Jesus to tell his disciples, hey, I'm going to be killed, they didn't necessarily like that idea. Because, you know, if they are Jesus' closest confidant, if they are, you know, his right-hand men, as it were, that they were going to have some authority in the kingdom Jesus was going to set up. And now Jesus is telling them, I am going to be killed. And so Peter didn't like it. And so it said that Peter started to rebuke Jesus. Now, that's not a good idea, is it? That Peter started to correct Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. So this is the context of what is being talked about before the verses that we're going to read right now here in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24 says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me... Now we've talked about in this series that we are Christ's disciples, that we are his followers today. We had the twelve in in the time who were the apostles of the Lamb, those people closest to Jesus, his ministry team. But we now should consider ourselves followers of Christ. That's what the word Christian means. It means follower of Christ. Now, Jesus is saying as a rabbi of the time, a teacher, that the the followers of the rabbi would come after him. In other words, they would follow after his teaching. And this is what we, if we claim ourselves to be Christians, to be Christ followers, this is something that Jesus is telling us to embrace. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now as we look at Jesus' life and ministry, we know that the culmination of Jesus' life is at the cross and the resurrection. But as we look at that and understand that his life was moving in that direction, that the cross was the centerpiece of what Jesus did and accomplished here on the earth, it also teaches us about life, how to live life. And this is what we're focusing on in this series, that Jesus is not our religion mentor, that he is our life mentor. He's teaching us how to live. He's teaching us what life is all about, that we can understand and live the way that he wants us to live. And then as his disciples, as his followers, this is what he's saying to us. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Whoever would want to save his life, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then if, if it says if we gain the whole world and we lose our soul, what what shall be given in return for our soul? So let's think about these phrases here. First of all, let's talk about this phrase if anyone would come after me let him deny himself do you like to deny yourself (laughs) nobody wants no takers on that one we generally don't like to deny ourselves we generally don't like to give up something now as i mentioned a little while ago my wife and i you know we changed um Some of our eating habits, we wanted to be healthier, wanted to make some changes. Really, my wife made this decision for us, and I just went along with her. I followed after her. I was her disciple in this area. And um, when we started to make some of these food changes, some of these eating changes, that one of the hardest things for me was to deny myself certain foods that I was used to. Now, I don't know what your favorite food is. I don't know what your um, thing is that you like to eat. for me... Um, about a little over a year ago now, I stopped eating two of my favorite things, which were chocolate chip cookies and dill pickle potato chips. Mmm, I know. (laughs) These were two of my favorite things. And you know, when you look, when you look back at it, it was just something that I was just used to eating like for a really long time, for like decades. These would be the things that I would eat all of the time. And when she told me about some of these changes that we were going to make, these were two of the things on the list that I was going to have to now deny myself, that I wasn't going to be allowed to eat these things. But it was going to be a choice that I was going to make, even though that she was saying, this is what we're going to do. You know, I'm not always with my wife, so I could just go to the grocery store. I am a big boy, as we've talked about earlier. I could have just gone to the grocery store and then had some, you know, chocolate chip cookies in my car. and like, because I want to eat them. I'm not going to deny myself just because she says it. Or I can eat some dill pickled potato chips if I want to, because I'm a big boy and I'm in charge of my life. And this is a lot of times how we think just about life in general. That it's not necessarily the most fun thing ever to deny ourselves. Just to give up something. That I'm going to choose something else. That I'm going to choose sacrifice Instead of just choosing the things that I want and I desire. So there's a big principle at work here that Jesus is saying that we would deny ourselves. And then he says this phrase, phrase, take up the cross. Take up the cross and follow me. Now what is Jesus saying when he's talking about us taking up our cross? Now for a cross, us carrying a cross today... You know, it might be for jewelry. We think a lot of people have a cross around their neck. And so that's not really a hard cross, not that heavy. Or a lot of Christians today get like a cross tattoo. And so these aren't heavy things to carry. Um, but for this time, for the contemporaries of Jesus, for people to say to take up the cross, what did it mean? Now, a cross in this time was a symbol of Roman punishment. When you decided not to follow after Roman rule that you were going to be punished, that you were actually going to be put to death. And there was crosses all over the place in Jerusalem. Uh, Rome was occupying Israel at the time. And so there would be these crosses all over the place, and they would be symbols of if you aren't going to submit to Roman rule, this is what will happen to you. Now, Jesus isn't saying that carrying a cross is about a forced submission. That carrying the cross is about self-denial. He said, deny yourself. He didn't say, I'm going to force you to carry this cross. He said, deny yourself. Pick up the cross. Carry your cross. So it's about us submitting ourselves. Choosing to submit ourselves to the kingdom of God. This is the metaphor Jesus is using. Not a forced submission, but a personal choice that I am gonna sacrifice something. I'm gonna sacrifice some of my choices that I would make on my own if I were autonomous. Now we like to believe ourselves to be autonomous and we we think that we're autonomous beings. And then this is how we this would be the greatest freedom in the world that I would say that I am autonomous. But those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, that we call ourselves Christians The the mere fact that we call ourselves that is to say that we are not autonomous, that we are not in charge of our lives, that our identity, that the first identity we have, we're saying, I follow Jesus. I am not the Lord of my own life. I am saying I choose to follow Jesus. I am going to deny myself. I am going to take myself off the throne of my life and I'm going to put Jesus there. And then I'm going to deny the things that I would choose based on my desires, based on my background, based on a bunch of other things. And I'm going to say that I am going to submit my will to Jesus and follow after him. Take up the cross and follow him. So we see these ideas. Take up the cross means to submit. It means to deny yourself. Now when we think today, when we think about life and and really, what Jesus is talking about here is a life philosophy for all of his followers. Now, within the culture that we live in, we think, and, and what is taught to us within the culture, overtly and subtly sometimes, is that happiness is the goal. That I, and, and we say this, we just, well, as long as you're happy, you just do what you need to do, whatever makes you happy. As long as you're happy, that's okay. And, and we, we search we 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 just want to be happy, but Jesus is telling us once again that life. Those of us that call ourselves Christ followers. Now, if you're not a Christian today, you kind of get an out. You you can get yourself under out from the weight of these words that Jesus says. But if you are a Christ follower today, there's nowhere to run. There is nowhere to hide from these words. And we shouldn't actually be trying to hide. We should know. That if Jesus is teaching us, this is the best way to live. And this is what I said, because of the resurrection, because of who Jesus says he is, because he is God in the flesh, that his teaching has to take on a whole different weight for us. Now, it's not burdensome weight. It's actually freeing way to live. It's better for all of us. Let's think about it for a second. It's better for all of us to have Jesus at the throne of our lives. Because for me, to be at the throne of my life, my life will just be all about my desires. All about how many, this is just one area, how many chocolate chip cookies I could eat. The soft kind. You know what I'm talking about? The soft, really good ones. And then sometimes when you're tired of the soft ones, you go to the bakery and you get the fresh chocolate chip cookies. And then, see, I've done it all. And then you make your own from scratch. And then you buy the pre-made Chocolate chip cookies, and you see, I, I any type of chocolate chip cookie out there, I've eaten it. See, if and if I'm going to live my life at the center of my life, on the throne of my life, that is how I will live my life, and that's just one area. That my desires will be king. That my choices will be king. That what I think is right, based on whatever I knowledge whatever knowledge I've accumulated to this point in my life, I will think that is the best thought ever. Have you ever looked back at some of the things that you used to think were right when you were 10 years old or when you were 15 years old or when you were 20 years old or when you were 30 years old or when you were 35, 40, and here I am, 46? Have you ever looked back at some of the thoughts that you thought at some previous years and you thought man that was just wrong that way of thinking was just actually not good it wasn't healthy for me and this is this is what it means to live a life of submission that i'm living my life in submission i'm going to deny myself i'm not just going to do everything about making it feel good or this is just going to make me happy so i'll do it That I'm actually going to deny myself and I am going to carry the cross and I am going to submit myself as a personal choice. Not the cross of Rome, which is a force thing, but the cross of Christ, which is a choice thing. I, Jesus, chose to go to the cross. That I'm choosing to deny myself, that I'm choosing to live my life in accordance with Jesus' teaching and with his principles. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's not going to be a real shouter today, but it's still going to be good. All right. So what does it mean to carry the cross when we're going to submit, sacrifice, denial, that I'm going to uh, carry this cross? And I always tell parents, and I always dis- discuss this, um, <clears throat> we, we, when you become a parent, it is a crash course in self-denial. Does anyone discover this? And until until you have a child, I, I think you can learn a measure of it um, just by being a responsible adult. But until you actually have your own physical child that you have to take care of, you don't know how selfish you are. You just don't know. And then you have a child and this child is completely dependent on you for everything. And then you're you're you know you're staring at this child who's crying at you in the middle of the night in your crib and you're saying to them maybe not verbally but mentally don't you know i have to sleep too you're so selfish and then you just oh my gosh i can't believe how selfish i am it's a crash course in self denial i got to deny i got my whole my whole life is changing And there's that little voice on the inside of you that's been trained from culture. What about me? What about me? What about me? Nothing. There's nothing for you. For like a decade plus, you don't get to sleep in. That's the new rule in your life. Sleeping in. You don't get to sleep in. What are you doing? You're denying yourself. So this helps us to understand what it means to follow Jesus. That my, the identity that I'm claiming is not a political one, it's not an educational one, it's not a societal class thing, it is I follow Jesus. This is the primary identifier of my life. I'm going to follow him, I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to pick up the cross, I'm going to crucify my flesh, the scripture talks about, that I'm not just going to be led by my desires. Now, I mentioned the desire for food. That's a strong desire in our life. Can anyone testify? That is a strong desire. There's sexual desires. There's all these different desires in our life. God has put these things in there. They are good things. But when we take those desires and we put them at the centerpiece of our lives and we make our lives all about our desires, we are no longer having Jesus. On the throne of our lives. Are you with me today? So we don't, we don't put any of those desires there. We don't, that, there's no identifier before Jesus. Certainly not any desire, Certainly not just the things that my flesh would want to do. Things, uh, sinful things. That we wouldn't want to put sinful things uh, at the first place in our lives. Th- sinful things are the things that hurt me and hurt the people around me. Destroy my life. Things that hurt me. Damage me that aren't the purpose for which God has called me to. We certainly wouldn't put those things at the centerpiece of our lives. We're going desi- to deny ourselves and we're going to make a decision to do the will of God. To do the will of God. That, that's what I'm deciding to do. I, my desires are not at the centerpiece that I am going to choose to do the will of God. Now, let me just say, These things that we're choosing to do when we follow Jesus, they are all good things. The things that Jesus teaches us about, the type of person Jesus teaches us to be are all good things. Last week we talked about love. That if we are going to choose to love the people in our lives, that we are going to choose to be uh, the best friend that we could be. To be the the most loyal and committed friend to our friends. Regardless of what our friends would do. That I'm going to be a loyal friend. I'm going to be a good friend. I'm going to be a constant friend. To be a a spouse. To be the type of spouse God is calling me to be. To be the type of parent God is calling me to be. That I'm going to submit my will to God's will in these areas. To be the type of employer or the type of employee God is calling me to be. They all have practical ramifications. So it's not just a church thing. It's a life thing that we're giving ourselves to God. We're following Christ in all of these areas. And following Christ in all of these areas makes me a very impactful person. Makes you a very impactful person for the cause of Christ. For good, that he has saved you for good works. You don't get saved by good works, but you get saved for good works. God has put his spirit on the inside of you. He has changed you. He is changing you so that you will do good things on the earth. And that's why we put him at the centerpiece of our lives. A sacrificial way of life, listen doesn't actually have to make us happy. <laughs> living, a, a, a living sacrificially, at the end of it, is, is this going to make me happy? Well, it might not actually make me happy, but it's actually a good thing to do. See, because if, if we make happiness the main decider for us, will we always do good things come on now no we we can't well this won't make me happy so i won't do it happiness can't be your lord jesus needs to be your lord just the little practical example i gave you about looking at your child in the crib does it I mean, I'm trying to remember. I can't say that it ever made me like... And my wife did it way more than me, so I don't want to sound like a martyr. It didn't... I'm like, hey, I'm so happy that you're crying at 1 a.m. A lot of things in life are like that. A sacrificial way to live is not, well, hey, will this make me happy? Then I'll do it. No, it's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of self-denial. It's a life of submission. Submission doesn't mean agreement. Submission means I am going to choose to deny my my will and do something else. else. What's going to serve somebody else? Live sacrificially. The cross teaches us how to live. Because if we chase happiness, we will never find it. But if we chase the life that Jesus is calling us to live, happiness... Is a byproduct of following Jesus. But as a thing, you'll never just, you're never just going to chase happiness and find it. A yielded, submitted life, side benefit of that is being happy. Matthew chapter 11. Let's turn over there. Matthew chapter 11. And these few verses here will help us see how selfish we can be sometimes and how self-consumed we can be matthew chapter 11 verse 16 says but to what shall i compare this generation it is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates we played the flute for you and you did not dance we sang a dirge and you did not mourn for john came neither eating or drinking and they say he has a demon the son of man came eating and drinking and they say look at him, a glutton, at a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So Jesus is looking at the religious people of the day. And he's calling them. What are they like? They're like children. They're immature. They're irresponsible. And how is he describing this? So he is describing this like they're, they're, um, they're calling to their playmates. Now in village life in this time... There was really two things that were sort of big experiences for children. And the two things were weddings and funerals. And if you've ever um, taken a child to both of these things, you know that there's, there's very little differentiation for a child between a wedding and a funeral. They don't actually know what's happening. Do you understand this? They just know there's a bunch of people there, right? Right. And, and then relatives come to them and they pinch their cheeks and they're, oh, you're so cute and blah, blah, blah. And you try to explain to them who they are and they're like, huh, I don't know who you are. I don't know you're my uncle, my aunt, my fifth removed cousin. They don't know any different. And so here, these big experiences in these villages were weddings and funerals. Sometimes a wedding would go on for a week. And then there would be big mourning times around funerals. And they would say, they were saying, um, what are these children like? Well, we played a flute for you. In other words, something that would happen at a wedding and you didn't dance. And then we sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. And then it talks about John, how John came and he didn't eat or drink. And they said he has a demon. And then Jesus came and he ate and drank. And they said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard. So in other words, nothing made them happy. The religious people, nothing ever made them happy. Hey, John came and he didn't do your things, Pharisees and Sadducees, and so you didn't like him. And then Jesus came and he did the opposite. He went and hung out with everybody and you didn't like him either. In other words, nothing will make you happy. Have you ever been like that? Let's not talk about the people that we know right now. Yeah, I know somebody and there's not happy. You know, let's think about ourselves. Have you ever just decided, and and nobody, nobody's just going to, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I'm just not going to be happy. And this is what Jesus is is saying here about that generation, the religious generation, that what, you're just, it's not, it's not going to be happy because it's not your thing. John didn't come, he didn't do their thing. Jesus came, he didn't do their thing. It wasn't your thing. That's why you're not happy. Are you okay to not do your thing? Or if you don't get your way, everybody has to be sad. And everybody has to know it. You still got on your big boy pants and your big girl pants today? Does everything have to be your way? Otherwise, you're going to react. You're either going to get really mad or you're going to cry. You're going to try to fix this situation. You're going to do this. You're going to do that just to get your way. That your way is at the king of, at the highest place of your life. Is this how we're living our lives? Or are we living the way that Jesus is calling us to live? Do deny myself, pick up my cross, that it isn't always about me and what I want. I've got to grow up. I've got to be able to work within a group of people. I've got to work on a team. I've got to work on a family. So we don't want to be immature like these people that Jesus is describing. And it has to be my way. If it's not my way, I'm not going to be happy. And every, way, every person is going to know. And I, just, I have got hundreds of church stories to tell you right now. But I'm not going to tell you any of them. They're all flooding up in my mind right now. It has to be my way. It has to be my way. If it's not my way, I'm not going to be happy. Here's what I would say. Grow up. Grow up. Stop making life about you. And how about how you feel? This is how I feel. And this is what I want. Jesus said this is what the children are like. This is what the children are like. Growing up in Christ is about, okay, I'm going to follow after God. I want to do his will. I want to do the things that he wants me to do. Matthew 16, verse 25, back to our original text. Whoever would say, save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, will find it. Whoever would say, save his life, will lose it. That all of us, we want to try to save our lives. But all of us are going to lose our lives. The mortality rate is still 100%. That all of us are going to die. All of us are going to pass away so we're not going to be able to save our lives but he's saying but whoever loses his life for my sake we're actually going to find life following jesus removing ourselves from the throne of our lives and putting jesus in that place and one of the things he's talking about is salvation that we are going to experience god's salvation by putting the pride of our lives down and humbling ourselves and receiving god's salvation humble ourselves. Do we like to be humble? Do we like to humble ourselves? Is it the joy of our lives to humble ourselves? That Jesus is asking us to put away our pride and to humble ourselves as his followers. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 says this, blessed are the poor." In spirit. Now, one of the understandings of that word blessed actually means to be happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That I'm realizing that without God, without God's salvation, I am nothing. Regardless of my station in life, regardless of my education, regardless of my financial background, that without God, there is no way. That I can save myself. But happy are those, the poor in spirit, that I'm going to humble myself and receive God's salvation. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now meekness is not equal to weakness. Has to do with humility of heart. Once again... Removing my selfish desires, which are innate in all of us. Removing myself from the throne of my life and humbling myself and putting God there. That I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to carry my cross. I can't save myself. That I'm going to receive God's salvation. Humbling myself to that place. And then the last thing Jesus talked about there in Matthew chapter 16 verse 26, says this. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now, I just want to remind you that next week we're going to be talking about celebration. Today we're talking about sacrifice. It is the medicine. Next week will be the spoonful of sugar. Okay, we're going to get to next week. Selfish, purposeless accumulation is unhealthy for your soul. Listen to what I said. Selfish, purposeless accumulation is unhealthy for the soul. For us just to make our life about stuff. And I talked about this earlier in the series a little bit. Now, let me give you some some greater thoughts to think about this as as an idea jesus is not asking you to be a poor person because jesus actually wants you to minister to poor people do you know there's a lot in the scripture about feeding poor people this is one of the or people who aren't eating this is one of the reasons why we support Eden food bank and we encourage people to bring stuff for the food bank so Jesus is not actually, he's, Jesus is not ask he's not celebrating poverty. Because he's telling you he wants you to help poor people. Do we know about this? And if you're poor, you can't help poor people. So let's, let's think logically now. So Jesus is not celebrating poverty. He's not saying, okay, well, we, we can't uh, buy our salvation, so you shouldn't actually be rich. That's not the point Jesus is trying to make. He said the, the accumulation, you are not going to be able to buy your soul. You're not going to be able to take anything with you when you die. In the Old Testament, it talks about that we should leave an inheritance to our children's children. So the totality of Scripture is not pro-poverty, against wealth, or against wealthy people. What the thing Jesus is talking about here. Is not having the accumulation of stuff at the centerpiece of our lives. That we remove that thing. That's one of those desires that we would have. That we would just make our life all about stuff. And let me also say this: If you are, and, and I, listen, I want all of you to be blessed and wealthy. And you know that you. And, and I've told you this before. That you are all in the top 10% of wage earners in the world. Did you know that? All of you in this room that are working a job, even part-timers out there. You're in the top 10 wage earners in the world. And there's a a lot out there about the top 1%. I want all of you to make it to the 1% and then I want all of you to tithe. No, but I want you to go for it. Be successful. You should be successful. Because if you are going to follow after Jesus, I want to tell you what's going to happen. You are going to be successful. If you work hard at your job, if you honor your customers, and if you are a person of integrity, you will go forward. You will be successful, which means you're going to make more money in the country that we live in. But we never take that money and put it at the throne of our lives we never do Jesus is at the throne of our lives and what is the thing Jesus is calling us to be he's calling us to be generous to be givers to be a person of blessing he's not there there is no celebration of poverty Jesus wants us to help poor people then therefore he's not asking us to be poor let's be wise let's be smart let's think about it clearly But Jesus is also telling us, listen, I, ph- I phrased it very purposefully, the purposeless, selfish accumulation of stuff is not what your life is about. If you want to leave an inheritance for your children's children, that's a good purpose. If you want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God and God's church, That's a good purpose. If you want to help people, like we talked about, we want to give, I, I have the resources to give extra to Samaritan's Purse because they're helping people in Ecuador. That's a good purpose. But just to make the resources that God puts in my life all about me, that's not a good purpose. Jesus tells us here in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge, arbiter, over you? Talking about a civil authority who would decide something. Obviously, Jesus is going to be their ultimate judge. And then he said this. And he said to them, Take care, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You are not... More or less spiritual, depending on what's in your bank account. That everybody, regardless of what's in their bank account, comparative to other people, is that God is calling us to be generous with whatever we have, wherever we are right now. With our stuff, with our resources, with our money. That our life doesn't consist in just what we have. And he told them a parable saying, A land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall... Now I'm going to emphasize something here and you're going to know what it is. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. What was the fool part? Was the fool part that he was blessed? That he had an abundance? No, that's not the fool part. The fool part is his attitude towards the stuff. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. In other words, you're going to die. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Rich toward God. Being rich toward God means, in other words, that with the blessings that come my way, the richness that comes with what I have, whatever level it may be. The richness comes from not saying, I, me, I, me, I, me, mine. Do you see how that's self-denial? That's denial of self. And that's picking up the cross. And then making Jesus the Lord of all of my life, including my stuff. God, how can I honor you with what you have given me? Because all that I have, God, has come from you. All that I have, Father, you have given to me. That he's blessed us and he takes care of us. Last thing here. And then next week we're going to celebrate... Proverbs chapter 28, verse 20 says this. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. What kind of person will abound in blessings? A faithful one. A, A talented one? No, I mean, you're all talented. You all have gifts and talents and all of those gifts and talents are going to produce a measure of wealth for your life. But this is God is calling to an attitude that has nothing to do with talent. Has nothing to do with the ability that God has given you. It has all to do with the choice of what person, what type of person am I going to be? And what is the thing here? It's it's a faithful one. Now does being a faithful person, faithful to God, faithful to Jesus teachings, faithful to your friends, faithful to your spouse, faithful to your parents and your children. Do, do those choices have to do with emotions to be a faithful person? Do I always feel like it? No, faithfulness goes way Beyond our feelings. Faithfulness is way more mature than your feelings. Because every day when you get up, you're going to feel like something else. Do I feel like going to work today? Do I feel like doing this? Do I feel like denying myself? Do I feel like carrying my cross? Do I feel like this? If, and if I'm going to make feelings my God, my life are going to be up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. Because my feelings are going to be up and down, up and down all the time. But we're going to remove all of that. We're going to deny just our feelings. And we're going to deny just the urges of our flesh. And we're going to deny our pride. And we're going to to deny our desire just to have everyone make us happy. And if they don't make us happy, I'm going to be sad. We're going to deny... All of that immaturity. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to follow after him. Yield to his will. Put myself in his hands. Choose the things that he is asking me to choose. As I say, I'm his follower. As I say, I'm a Christian. And the scripture says, a faithful man. Faithful to follow after Jesus in every aspect of my life. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.